You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to This and That. So excited to have you here with us today. March the 2nd, as we uh, get ready to record episode number 6, right? That's right, episode 6, March 2nd, 2019. This is Brenda, better known as Miss Bren Bren. And this is David, a.k.a. The Professor. And we are your co-hosts for this eclectic podcast called This and That. And, um... Because we're eclectic, that means we talk about some of everything that's anything, correct? Very much correct. Whatever we feel like talking about in the way we want to talk about it. Exactly. So today is no different than the earlier uh, episodes that we've um, put out. So um, today, what are we going to talk about? Well... Today, we once again uh, introduce one of our recurring segments. Uh, we've been doing this as loyal podcast listeners will know over the last um, couple of, of, of podcast episodes. New, new um, episode segment is You Should Know. And You Should Know really is all about Items that myself and Miss Bren Bren feel are either not being reported or are being underreported by the quote unquote mainstream media. And that's a new segment that we're going to uh, talk about. But what are the other two recurring segments that we're going to also mention? Uh, what's up with that makes yet another appearance. And uh, Words of Wisdom, which uh, took a break last week, is back this week. Okay. So, um, before we get started, how about if we do a little housekeeping? And that is, if folks want to email us or get in touch with us because they have a question or a comment or anything like that, what should they do? They should email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, as in Nancy, that, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And we read all the emails. We try to reply to all of them one way or the other. And as some of you know as well, we uh, take your suggestions, feedback, and um, changes to the show, that type of thing. Uh, We incorporate it. If it makes sense to do, we might put our own spin on it, that type of thing. But we definitely welcome your feedback. Keep that coming. And to that vein, last week we had um, we asked for two pieces of feedback. One was around uh, R. Kelly's age. And it uh, turns out, score one for Miss Bren Bren. R. Kelly is 52. Uh, obviously, I've become my parents and living in the past, and R. Kelly will always be 30-something in my mind. But uh, that was that one. Uh, the other one, uh, you all did research as we did we, and yes, I was correct that Mark Garagos is um, um, Jesse Smollett's attorney. So score one for the professor. 
the um, count now is one 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 for for me one for him and we'll keep our tally going for the rest of the year well you'll keep tally yeah I, you're right doesn't matter to me but uh, another thing on housekeeping is that as those of you know we are available on various different um, apps and services for podcasts but our, our main home so to speak is SoundCloud if you make a comment somewhere else Unless you email us at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com, we won't see it. Uh, so I suggest any kind of online comment and the like, um, you click over to our page on SoundCloud and for that episode, put in the comment. And we will definitely see that there and be able to get back to you. So I think that takes care of our housekeeping. Then um, are you ready to get started? Uh, I am indeed. Then let's talk this and that. Now we want to introduce a new segment called You Should Know. Now there are several items, like David mentioned earlier, that we feel folks should know about and we want to make sure you are hearing about it. So let's talk about that. What's up first? Well, as you mentioned, it's March 2nd. So uh, March is Women's History Month. Yes, indeed. It is Women's History Month. And um, in that vein, let's talk about all the history that's being made by women when it comes to getting ready for the upcoming presidential election. There are several women that are running for the Democratic nomination, is it not? Uh, yes. So far there are, if memory serves me, four. You have uh, Christine Gillibrand, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Amy Klobuchar, and Kamala Harris. Right, and those are the ones that I know about, um, but you said there are eight No. are running? No, four women. No, in terms of women that are, have thrown their names in the ring. Is it just those four? So far, yes. Okay, but I'm sure there are probably going to be a, a, some additional folks, women that is, that will throw their names right. in the ring. There are people thinking about it, and we won't mention them right now because they can always pull the rug from under us and, you know, not run, that type of thing. Yeah, that's, that, that is very true. Um... But that's um, great that so many women are throwing their hat in the ring for the nomination. And when was the first, who was the first woman that might have thrown their hat in the ring a long time ago? Well, let's talk major parties because we, we could go way back into the 19th century, but some people are talking about was that a legal try or not because the suffrage hadn't happened yet. But if we talk major parties, and by major parties I mean the Republicans and the Democrats, the first um, female candidacy for a major party was in 1964, and that was Margaret Chase Smith for the Republican nomination. And she was the first one to receive votes and the like for a major party. There had been other, other various parties, some independent people and so forth, but she was first for either Republicans or Democrats. All right, so you go back to 1964, and you get the first female um, that is throwing their name in the ring 
for the presidential nomination for major on the party. Republican side. Right. What about on the Democratic side? Uh, well, we talked about that in a previous podcast episode, so you're, you're talking uh, Shirley Chisholm. And that was back in, what, 72? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there have been women who have been making history um, along the way, and so um, it's interesting that uh, this year... We have at least four that are vying for the uh, presidential nomination. And, and there are various uh, ones. I mean, typically, at most, you'd have one at a time. This is, this is unique in that you have um, more than one at a time uh, for a particular party. And who knows, in 2020, 2024, I would not be surprised if both parties... Uh, have um, women vying in um, presidential uh, run-ups. Well, there's going to be a lot more to say on this particular topic, so we all just have to stay tuned and see what comes next. Speaking of what comes next, what is the next item for You Should Know? The next, the next item has to do with... Uh, an event that happened, and if, if you, which I think is a, a major event, and if you blinked, you missed it. It was very underreported, and that goes to essentially what I would term the the definitely the new space race. And um, in that January third or second, depending what part of the world you're in, of 2019, China landed a um, lander, which consists of two robots. On the far side of the moon. When you say the far side of the moon, do you mean where the Americans landed before? No. Nobody, until the Chinese did it, had ever been on the far side of the moon. Which is also known as the quote-unquote dark side of the moon, but I don't call it the dark side of the moon because, because it does get sun. The far, for, to back up for folks... The moon on Earth, we always see just one side of the moon because uh, of the way it rotates around us and it takes uh, 28 days to rotate all around and it takes itself 28 days, so we never on Earth see the quote-unquote far side of the moon. But the far side does get sunlight. So call it the dark side of the moon is, is, is actually factually and scientifically incorrect. So nobody had been there, the Russians... And um, the Americans were the only ones who had done things on the moon, landed ro- uh, rovers. Of course, U.S., we um, had astronauts on the moon. But it was all on the Earth-facing side. And there's a reason for that, because we do everything with radio signals or variants of that. And because the far side of the moon never rotates around, you don't get line of sight, which is what you need for radio signals. So to make this landing work, the Chinese had to overcome a whole bunch of technical obstacles. So this was basically a major accomplishment. Yes. They had to launch a satellite. Just They have a satellite in orbit around the Earth to talk to their rover on the far side of the moon. But of course, to land, they couldn't talk to it yet. So it was also, to my knowledge, except for the sat, um, satellites that every now and again you might see something in the news or on TV where... Um, the U- NASA or the European Space Agency deliberately crashes something into a into a um, uh, an asteroid and the like. This 
some of those crashes were uncontrolled crashes. Most of them are controlled, meaning meaning controllers on Earth programmed and told those those spacecraft what to do. With this Chinese moon lander, it had to do it on its own. There was no human intervention with that lander getting on the moon. And that's completely different from everything that NASA and the European Space Agency does. So that's another first as well. So and would you say that their landing on the far side of the moon, the Chinese that is, this would be their Sputnik moment? Well, it's not their Sputnik moment. It's another Sputnik moment for us. And and what I mean for that, for people that, that like, what, what what is the professor talking about with Bren Bren? Um, in 1957, uh, October 4th, 1957. And this was well before. Before our time, yes. This is before our time. But um, there are history books, and these are things you learn way back then, especially during the Cold War. In October 4th, 1957, the Soviets, now the Russians, but then the Soviets, the Soviet Union, launched and put into um, orbit a satellite. And they were the first country in the world to do that. So you had this orbiting satellite. It only had power for like three, I think, um, it only communicated back for three days and it, it stayed in orbit for a few more weeks after that before just kind of um, um, dying out slowly over time. But people freaked out back then because you know the US, was supposed to be the technological giant and so on, and the Soviet Union was supposed to be, you know, had tons of people and, and the like, but wasn't really supposed to be that sophisticated. Even though they did have the hydrogen bomb, everybody was like, yeah, but they stole the plans for the, the, the A-bomb through the Rosenbergs, and, you know, of course, obviously, after that, they could figure out how to get the hydrogen bomb. But they had done something that, and, and the U.S. had already had um, the atomic weapons, and hydrogen weapons before the Soviet Union. But here, the Soviets did something before the Americans and people freaked out. So it's kind of our Sputnik moment because, again, because the Chinese have done something that we haven't done at all. They put something on the far side of the moon and they're doing interesting science with this. I mean, it wasn't just, okay, we're gonna land over the land at. Part of the reason they wanna go to the far side of the moon is that because it is the far side of the moon, and I'll, I'll make this really, really brief because I could go on for, for yeah, a long time on this. Trust me, folks. Um, he could go on. They can figure out. They they can figure out more about the origins of the solar system, why the moon is where it is, and a whole bunch of other things, which are important questions. They can also. They're looking at putting in a uh, a uh, telescope. People remember the Hubble telescope and you, it, it got great pictures because it was beyond Earth's atmosphere. Well, on the far side of the moon, you can put in a special kind of telescope that can look at the background radiation of the universe and figure out the Big Bang and a whole bunch of other things. And they're looking at doing that. They also sent up um, some Chinese silkworms and plants because they're going to grow these plants and silkworms their whole point is they're trying to see can they do terraforming on the cheap. And terraforming is you take a planet and you change its atmosphere or its cosmology for humankind. And they're looking at can they do this and therefore create a small ecosystem where they landed on the moon, create CO2 and some other stuff, and create an atmosphere. There's the Chinese, are, the U.S. needs to step up their game. We're playing around with all sorts of oh, let's look at this and that. Is Pluto a planet, not a planet? Let's send people to Mars one day, maybe. 
and you know, we we just kind of said the moon is just there for an amusement ride. So you have people like uh, Richard Branson and Elon Musk looking at low Earth or orbit tours, and eventually, I guess, orbiting the moon. Ooh, look at the moon. Whereas the, the Chinese are like, you know, no, there's real science to do here, and if and there are military applications to this as well, because if you put a base on the far side of the moon, you do not know what they're doing. All right, so you and just said you just said the key words. The U.S. needs to step up their game. Yes. So is that why we've been hearing in the news recently about the U.S. trying to get back into going in space? Um. Yeah, get out of low Earth orbit, which is where we've been stuck um, for thirty some odd years. I think my opinion is yes. That's why you've heard steeped up, picked up interest on this. For the most part, yes. Uh, and also you've been hearing, uh, not so much on television, but in print, about how the Department of Defense wants to put up satellites to gather solar energy and beam that back down um, to the planet. Interesting thing about that is the Chinese are not just talking and thinking about it. The Chinese have plans to make that happen. My issue with this is I remember James Bond and Diamonds Are Forever and, you know, Blofeld had a satellite up there where he could have a death ray. And that's the thing. I mean, if you have a satellite to, to beam down solar energy to power cities and the like, you have to modulate that so you don't blow up planes and everything else. But if you're at war, hmm, let's, you know, change the modulation and blow up those planes and the like. Again, military is dual use, military application. And these, these things worry me, I, and they well, should worry other people. It worries me, too, <laughs> and there is definitely going to be more to come on this, but I think it's really important that people realize that this has happened and there is more to come on this topic. Absolutely. I keep hinting at one day we're going to do this and that tech edition, and I'll expand on the whole space race more because it's not just the U.S. and the Chinese. By the way, the Israelis have launched a satellite to the moon. Um, they had to reboot it the other day in space, something the U.S. could never do. If we lost control of a satellite, it would just be, or, or a lander, it would just be over. But okay. the way the Israelis think, because they're always at war, so they have that military mindset everywhere, that stuff is going to fail, they're like, no problem. So they, they took a day, they rebooted the thing, and now it's back on its way. It'll land on the moon in April. All right, well... Definitely, there is going to be a tech edition probably coming up really, really soon. So, speaking of folks being at war, what's this about a possible war between some countries that really yeah. haven't talked about or heard about in the news? Not in the American press, which is surprising to me. This is, um, for those who don't know, Pakistan and India, who are longtime foes on the Indian subcontinent. I'm not even going to go into the whys and wherefores of that because that, that's a whole other segment as to India, India, Pakistan, why are they two countries versus one country when the British pulled out and why they keep fighting over the Kashmiri region and everything else. But they've had skirmishes recently uh, that were, that the background on this is a, um, a terrorist organization uh, essentially planted an IED and they blew up uh, an Indian convoy, killed about 40 soldiers. And these folks operate on the Pakistani side inside of this Kashmiri region. So the Indians sent their jets and they bombed the place. And then the Pakistanis were like, oh, it's on. 
and they've had their first they had their first aerial dogfight these two countries in the in 50 years the other day i mean this should be on nightly news india and pakistan had their first aerial dogfight in 50 years and oh by the way much i'm sure it's a surprise to the indians the Pakistanis won. I'm not surprised that the Pakistanis won that fight, but I'm sure the Indians were like, what the hell happened? So they had two of their planes. They had a pilot, Indian pilot, who was captured and everything else. The good news is it looks like the Pakistanis are trying to de-escalate this because they released the pilot. They captured the pilot. And there's a whole, it'll become a movie of how what this pilot did to get rid of the documents he had and everything else and the evade capture for as long as he could. I could talk about that for a long time here too. But it you can look it up online and this, it'll become this, a movie. Bottom but line, this, this is big news. Yeah. And so the, the Pakistanis are trying to de-escalate. They gave the pilot back and the pilot's now a national hero. He got a parade and all. And of course, the Pakistanis were like, you know, hmm. They had to throw out a nasty tweet. Every, and, you know, <laughs> the Indians were like, hmm, we don't like that. And so the Indians killed a couple Pakistanis along the border today, so, you know, might escalate back. Why, why should we care? Um, not just because, in general, it's never a good thing if countries fight each other, um, because it never is contained. Both of these countries, whether you know it or not, have nuclear weapons. I say this again. They both have nuclear weapons. They, and they both have about 150, we are estimated, about 150 nuclear weapons each. And fortunately, we're not talking about this, you know, nuclear weapons like the, we have or the Russians or the Chinese or hydrogen, thermonuclear. We're talking about the size of weapons uh, that, that were used in World War II by, by the U.S. that blew up Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so, which are bad enough because they can wipe out a, you know, a big city. The problem is, if this, if this keeps escalating and they go nuclear because they have tactical nukes and everything else, um, that will affect everybody on the planet. Because if you have enough nuclear weapons, they figure if you, the tipping point is around um, if you have exchanges of these small kind of nukes, you get like 50, 60 of them together, you can forget about global warming. We're, we're talking nuclear winter, which is an actual technical thing. And there was a movie in the 80s, the day after, I think it was the day after, that went into the whole bad effects of nuclear winter and everything else. Suffice it to say, a whole lot of people will die because the, the, the crop cycle, the, the amount of sunlight you'd have to grow crops and everything else, plus the acid rain, would, would get into the food supply. So there wouldn't be enough food to feed people. So we, we know people, tons of people would die just from that. And the effects of these things have happened before, not in a nuclear sense, but during the 13th to the 19th century, you had what was called the Little Ice Age. And that is, that is one of the reasons why, as they would say in Black Panther, the colonizers colonized. They just didn't look around and say, gee, let's find people to exploit. They were starving to death because they had the Little Ice Age come through and they didn't have enough crops, you know, and to, to feed people or anything else. So these countries are like, we got to expand, we got to do something. And that's part of why the Europeans started look. That was their kind of answer. So, China, China was the world superpower back then, and they ceased being the world superpower, which is one of their reasons why they have a kind of chip on their shoulder governmentally, because they were like, we were, we were running the place pretty much on Earth, 
everybody was kind of coming to us for trade. We have the biggest technology. But the Little Ice Age kind of kind of ruined their thing, and they went dormant for 500 years. So bottom line, what's going on in India and Pakistan right now could be uh, the start of World War Three. No. No? It's not going to be the start of World War Three. No one's going to come to the defense of India and Pakistan. In fact, China is pretty much talks to both of these countries, and, and they're just kind of like, you know, stepping out to the side. They don't want to be sucked into this on either side, and if they got sucked in, they'd probably be on the side of the Pakistanis more than the Indians. But no, I, I don't see it leading to World War III. All right, well, and, that's and, a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, let's just hope that the two sides can figure out a way to de-escalate this and everybody can get back on friendly terms again. Well, they they weren't on friendly terms, but, but they close enough. coexistence. Yes, coexisted. <laughs> they can peacefully or not so peacefully coexist. Well, I want them to peacefully coexist. Well, that hasn't happened since the partition. That's that's why I bring that up. I mean, they're always doing something. They've got terrorists, terrorists, um, bombings, and everything else. So they need to go back to the status quo before the okay. beginning of this past. Then week. just coexist. <laughs> Will you two countries? Just coexist. Don't set off any nukes. Next topic is um, a recurring segment with, that we call What's Up With That? And we're going to focus on the um, recent Oscars 2019, right? Uh, yes. And in that particular Oscars... Well, let's just start with the fact that it didn't have a host. And that's not the first time that the show has not had a host, right? That's right. That um, This year made the sixth time in Oscar history that they hadn't had a host. And why didn't they have a host this year? Why did Kevin Hart let, him, let himself get bullied out of not hosting the show? I don't know. You'd have to ask Kevin Hart that, but you you stated it well. He allowed himself to get you know bullied, talked out, punked, whatever, from doing the show, which he he's given interviews saying that was one of his um, lifelong professional dreams to to host the the Oscars. The Oscars has always had a tradition of comedians, especially hosting those award shows, going back to Bob Hope, who's done it the most times at 18, Whoopi Goldberg, who's done it four times, and, and so on and so forth. So he, Kevin Hart, wanted to be one of those folks, and, you know, lo and behold, in fact, Chris Rock, who hosted a few years back, made a joke about the fact that, you know, hosted the Oscars, you know, he, the, one of the reasons why Chris Rock made sure he did it was he didn't need to lose another job to Kevin Hart. That was kind of one of his, his uh, monologue jokes. Well, guess what? He still hasn't lost a job <laughs> to Kevin Hart when it comes to um, hosting the Oscars. And um, it's unfortunate. And I know that Kevin thinks that he might get a second chance. Oh, but he will. second chances don't necessarily always happen. And he might get it, but when something comes your way the first time, you really need to think long and hard before you turn something away. Sounded like many words of wisdom to me. Yeah, and well, we're not going to get into any more words of wisdom, but we are going to go a little deeper into what happened at the Oscars this year. 
Now, um, they didn't have a host, which we talked about that. And I think I think it was one of the better ones. (laughs) It was one of the better shows. And um, the ladies, uh, the female comedians that got things started, as far as I'm concerned, they could have been the co-hosts for this year's Oscars. You're you're talking about um, um, the... Tina Fey, Amy Maya Poehler, Rudolph. and Maya Rudolph. Yes. Yeah, they did a great job not being hosts to get the show started. And then when the show started with Queen performing, I thought I was at the Grammys. Well, yeah, the, I, Bren Bren and I, we were trying to think, did they, did they play this much music before past Oscars? And she watches all the time. I watch occasionally. I was just there for... To see how it was going to work without a host, and um, because of some of the what we expected to be historic happenings there. Yeah, and I was not expecting that. It was a nice uh, way to get things started, but it was something I was not expecting. I liked it. But when you talk about um, the Oscars being historic, it definitely was historic because fifteen women won Oscars, and that's the most that has ever happened at an Oscar ceremony. Yes, the previous record um, was set in 2012, um, and the number escapes me, but... I think it was 12. I think it was 12, in 2012. But, um, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. Folks can always send us email at this and that at aboutgracecincinnati.com and let us know. Yeah, but this year, 2019, there were 15 women, 15 females, yes. that won awards. And there were also seven African-Americans that won awards. Right. And that, I think, was the most ever as well. Yeah, that was an absolute record, yes. So it's obvious that Oscars 2019 was all about diversity and inclusion. So what do you think made that happen? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Diversity and inclusion meaning that um, not just pay lip service and say, okay, we want a whole bunch of black folks or people who are usually marginalized by the Oscars to win, but the fact that the Oscars, for the past few years, have been changing the makeup of the Academy so that the members themselves are more diverse. And when, you, when an organization does that, the, you see these kind of changes. So people look at films they normally wouldn't look at in their case. They look at people they normally wouldn't look at and nominate and so forth. So basically what happened in Hollywood is what has been happening in some of big corporations ever since the 90s. Uh, that is correct. I would say the more enlightened corporations, not necessarily big corporations. But so, that is true. So yeah, so on your hats off to the Academy... I'm glad they are expanding, and hopefully um, 2019 won't be the last year that we see a record number of females or people of different ethnicities win awards. Yes, and that'll be the test. Next year will be the test, because um, the last time they had a huge record number of women, the following year... I believe the number of of women, even not um, that won in categories that weren't 
you know, specifically set up for females was zero, I do believe. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens in 2020. Um, again, hats off to everyone who won. And um wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Regina King, who won uh, Best Supporting Actress for If Beale Street Could Talk, as well as for Hannah Beachler, Best Achievement in Production Design for Black Panther. Both of those um, women have ties to the greater Cincinnati area. Yeah, so I so, want to give special shout out to them. So a special shout out to them. Hats off to, again, everybody, including the folks at the Academy. And now we are going to wrap up with our words of wisdom for this episode of This and That. And we're going to stick with uh, the Academy Awards theme. And there were a lot of people who were accepting the awards and they gave speeches and that kind of thing. But there is one particular speech that kind of struck me that we should play for our words of wisdom for today. And this comes from Lady Gaga. So, um, David, if you would, please. Yes, going to play part of the speech. Just get into the heart of the matter versus the whole speech, although it was short. Um, if you are at home and you're sitting on your couch and you are watching this right now, all I have to say is that this is hard work. I've worked hard for a long time, and it's not about, you know... <sighs> It's not about winning, but what it's about is not giving up. If you have a dream, fight for it. There's a discipline for passion, and it's not about how many times you get rejected, or but you fall down or you're beaten up. It's about how many times you stand up and are brave and you keep on going. Thank you. So as Lady Gaga said, never give up. Yes, perseverance is a great virtue, and uh, it's one of those things in real life, special forces, people think when the military goes through and they pick special forces people, these are like badass, super strong, whatever. Not necessarily in all cases. These are just people who always find a way to complete the mission. That's part of what they're looking for, people who will persevere and never give up and will just plow through, butt it out, suck it up buttercup, whatever they got to do to make sure things are done. And that's uh, encapsulates what Lady Gaga was saying in my mind. Did you just say suck it up buttercup? Uh, yes, I did. All right. In other words, never give up. That brings us to the end of episode six of This and That. Absolutely. Now, before we sign off, uh, again, this is March 2nd, 2019, and I want to give a shout-out and good luck to FC Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati's now MLS soccer team. The um, team's been around, but they graduated, so to speak, into MLS. They're out in Seattle today for their first-ever MLS match against the Sounders. Do you and, think Gary made the trip? Uh, my answer to that is, sarcastically, Gary who? Hmm. 
Sounds like you then um, inquiring minds want to know. So you have to tune in to episode 7 of This and That to find out who Gary is. Until then, all the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.